Kia ora and welcome to this edition of CircuitCast. My name is Mark Williams and today we're recording not at Circuit HQ, not in an art gallery, but from home. The birds are singing, the sun is shining and as a pandemic rages across the planet here in Wellington, the suburbs are alive with the sound of DIY. I hope wherever you are, you and your loved ones are safe and warm. On today's edition of the pod, we talk to Darcel Apalu. Darcel is an artist of Nguyen and Pakeha descent who works in moving image, sound, performance and installation. Her early work used her body as a way to facilitate ideas of otherness, sometimes drawing on her background in international competitive woodchopping. More recently, she has made a number of animated video works which don't feature her in the frame at all, but remain heavily autobiographical. Last year, Darcel was selected for the Yorkshire Sculpture Park in Tatui UK Residency Award in Leeds, an experience which she used for research and to contemplate the direction she wanted her practice to go in. As applications open for the 2020 residency, and as the world sits in lockdown, I spoke to Darcel about her work, and our time out is not time wasted. Kia ora, Darcel. How's your lockdown going? Uh, bearable so far. I've, I'm quite lucky there's only myself, my husband, and my mother. So um, we've got lots of space that we can kind of hide away if we need to. <laughs> That's great that you're taking care of your mother. Does she live with you normally? Yeah, well, we live with her. So we're in her, oh. her home. She actually looks after two. She a home-based childcare worker. So she looks after little ones and she's got um, two little boys she's looking after for a doctor who's working in the hospitals. So <laughs> so it's good. We get little kids in the house and it breaks up the monotony, yeah, which is really good. Well, let's talk about you. Let's talk about your work. I want to start with the early work. And, of course, it was originally based heavily in performance. What drew you to that particular medium as a place to cite your art practice? Um, I think when... The, kind of the development of, of the body or the idea of the body came when I was, um, you know, my last years of art school and doing my master's project. And it was just that really instantaneous way to just throw throw it into the audience faces pretty much by using my own body because it, it, those certain, I, I guess, uh, aspects that I was really interested in was the reaction of the audience with my body or the, the idea of exchange was really important. I don't think anyone else's body would have done the same. I guess it didn't have the same intent that I would have had if um, I kind of look at kind of autobiographical ways of working. So my own experiences, but also those experiences that other people had the same perspective. So it's kind of like I'm a placeholder of some sort, but a really specific placeholder, if that makes sense. So what kind of exchange were you looking for? I think <laughs> right in the early stages was this this idea of, not idea of shock, but this idea of them considering their position. That was always well, one of the main drivers is getting them to think about them not just being a viewer, but them being an enabler or or a disenabler for the, either their position of privilege or their position as a, um, you know, might be a, a man versus a woman, all these sorts of um, hierarchies that occur when, when you're viewing a brown body or this, potentially the idea of exoticism um, around the brown body as well. When you brought the camera into the performance practice, what was the impetus for that? Well, that's really a tricky question, actually. 
I don't know. It was yeah. I definitely don't see the 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 filming side as a documentation. I see it as its own work. So when when a performance has has occurred and I I haven't recorded it, it's I see that as the performance itself. But if I'm performing for the lens or for the camera, it's it's its own entity, I guess. It seems to me there is a kind of link between what you were saying earlier about this kind of exchange with the audience and the relationship you have with a camera and that you, a lot of your early works, you sort of stared down the camera and you were very, Mm. you barely moved at all. Again, uh, I'm curious about what you're hoping from the viewer. Maybe it's the same thing, uh, considering the the position of looking, maybe you're looking through the lens like this, not so much as a voyeur. I guess you don't really see many passive brown maybe you do i don't know passive brown people on within certain um you know i think of th- random things that i see in my everyday like i watch police 10 7 and no way are people you know that <laughs> kind of stereotyped typecast maori pacific island uh, you know it's not passive at all so i don't know whether this is an underlying thing where i've learned to be passive because i don't want to be seen as this aggressive stereotype i'm not yeah some of those institutions they would have been very much Pākehā audiences as well, wouldn't they? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think back to, um, I did a performance, Physics Room in Christchurch. I did a performance where I was pretty much naked and I just didn't realise, I guess, the the type of, not the type of place Christchurch is, but it being predominantly white anyway, um, mm-hmm. And I remember being at the opening and there was like two other brown people in the whole room. And and it's things like that that you know that I notice more often. Um but yeah, I was basically I had I had hair extensions attached to various parts of my body. Um, but I was predominantly naked in the space and I had to I stood in, in the way that people would have to walk past me quite close to actually access the space and see the rest of the works. I like that. Maybe it's a challenge, the challenge that I put out towards people that they have to then accept to either recognise me or recognise the space that I take up. And tell us about the wood chopping. I mean, uh, what did it signify, you bringing that pursuit into the gallery space? I guess for me anyway, it's, it's, it's like its own culture, really. It has. I wouldn't say it's so much a religion, but for many it is. There's very specific ideologies, you know, the certain way that you do act, the certain way that you do certain things but it's repetitive and it, it hasn't changed in a very long time. Uh-huh. And I think that is something that I was really interested in, is taking it out of a context where it feels like I felt really safe, like I feel really safe chopping, you know, being with the people that I'm around and then bring it into a space that I equally feel safe within a, a gallery context. But the actual, I don't know, it, yeah, for, for to be a woman within wood chopping, you know, it's only started since the 80s. Women haven't competitively competitively chopped since you know since the start of the 80s so it hasn't been that long and I think when I meet people they go oh wow that must be really great but then there's also this assumption of being butch or you know certain things around my gender gets questioned Mm -hmm. and um, when I brought it into the gallery space it changed so dramatically to the point where well none of that actually mattered it was more about the action itself and that's what I really enjoyed was that kind of put into perspective what I do anyway. Just the repeated action of chopping a block is the thing. It's not me doing it. It's the actual thing itself. And in turn, did the experience of the gallery make it easier to go back into the wood chopping world and exist within it and say, I belong here? It did. It did. It, I 
never I never feel like because I've got such a, a great support network and um, my husband competes as well. So that's been I'm very fortunate to have such a, a great support system anyway. But you still there's still this kind of sense that you have to prove yourself. And at you know at that point it was kind of like, well, what's what's the point of having to prove myself? What's the it's that whole kind of um, your own mental game. And I think from that point, I was able to understand that that mental pressure, obviously a lot of athletes that go through it, that mental pressure of having to own what you do mm-hmm. um, and not really care or, or worry about what other people think. Because you get, and this happens a lot within the woodchopping community, you'll get lots of people that want to come up and give you a hand and you'll get, so many different like technical directions and you're just kind of like you get a little bit overwhelmed because one you don't want to offend anyone um but two you're like well it might work for you but it might not work for me so there's all this kind of i guess um trying to wade through everything and understand the way that you do things okay well let's talk about your residency in yorkshire what's interesting about this residency is that you're not necessarily required to come up with any work so how did you use your time um it was quite interesting. I used it a lot to just sit and think. There was a lot of, I guess, the build-up, um, and, and maybe it's just the way that my practice has been going so far, is this constant, okay, there's a show coming up, got to make, I've got to make. Mm-hmm. And it allowed me to just sit and rethink about the direction I wanted to go in for the for my practice. It might not necessarily have responded to Yorkshire itself, but it kind of did in a way... It, Eventually it has, but I did a lot of walking because it's such a, a huge, I think it's 700 or not 700, 300 hectares. It's quite, it's quite a large place. And um, at times it's quite, it was quite scary because you, you're there by yourself. So you actually, you're, you're living on in the actual park and then once everyone else is kind of gone, you're there by yourself. But waking up in the early mornings and just going for the walk and actually being able to see every every day pretty much seeing a wide range of um, of sculptural practice, I guess was a little bit of a nice break. I was lucky enough there was two other um, artists in residence at, the, at that time. It was Young Sisters. They had gotten a residency through Yorkshire, but it was part of their, their studies. So it was good to be able to talk to them because they had a dance performance-based practice. So that was quite interesting talking to them about how they've navigated their learning because that's always something really important to me is the education side of what I do as well. But I did, there were times I, you know, it just poured with rain and couldn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have a studio space either. So that was the other thing was I didn't have a dedicated studio space. I had a flat that I lived in while it was there, but there was no kind of dedicated space to, to make. But the staff there, they were really awesome and super supportive and they've had I wish I could have stayed longer because it is such a beautiful part of the country and the amount of programs that they run there because they've got so much space, so many galleries, um, just taking... I was lucky enough to have the four weeks that absorb, absorb all of that. Well, you mentioned that eventually the experience of being in Yorkshire did turn around and actually generate some work or help inform some work. What, mm. what did it actually lead to? Uh, I haven't specifically made a work in response to that, but after the work that I did at... Corbin's, which was a show called Held by the Stars, which was uh, a Matariki-based exhibition, but it was all around this idea of death. And so since then, it's kind of, I, I didn't really want to acknowledge it at that point because it was around this idea of memorial. But 
as I've gone through and, and when I was at Yorkshire, I realised that I was so interested in this idea of legacy, but for legacy, there, therefore, there must be death in order for the legacy to continue. So there was this, I was doing a lot of research around my ancestors, mainly specifically the ones from the UK, so my mother's side of the family. So I was able to find some really solid records around that. And there were a few that were, you know, that lived within that kind of area of Yorkshire, more towards Staffordshire, and the others were further down towards Kent. So being able to track that family line more, I think that was the thing, having that time to do that while I was there was actually really important, like being on that whenua and really understanding that space to then make those links really clear or fundamental for me. And then therefore this idea of legacy and death um, has cropped up here and there since well in the um, video works that you've you've just sent me uh, they're really quite different to all this early work with performance you're not in the frame for a start there's a lot of uh repeated images abstract mm. images there's a lot of pattern making so maybe we could talk about a couple of specific works and you could you could talk me through what you were thinking about mm-hmm. uh, one work called secure you've made in what looks like an aerial drone from palm trees flexing in and out mm. um i think for this specific work, it was really I was really interested in this yeah this thing like moving like it was flying or some sort of it was some sort of creature. I even like thinking about it as type of crab of some sort, some something that's moving. But I was interested in this idea of yeah having to move through spaces, which I've been interested in since I did the um, kind of hikoi based work with Tatui a few years back for Generation Exchange is this idea of moving through spaces. I guess, yeah, the the title, To Secure Myself, I Must Leave, is this idea, again, of legacy, of having to move from your homelands or from from your home, more specifically from my dad's side of the family, you know, coming from Niue, moving to New Zealand, this idea of the milk and honey land or the of God's own and, and um, for them to be able to cement their lives or to try and cement who they, to, to have a future, they had to move that, to, to do that. And so I, I kind of see these objects or creatures as like the <laughs> portal is the way the right way of saying it, but some sort of um, archetype of some sort of of them doing that in a sense, yeah. But I, yeah, that kind of I guess the connection with the drone. I I never really saw that, but yeah, I can kind of see how that could be read. So the last work I wanted to ask you about is called Next Time. This is an image composed of many smaller video images. There's palm trees, water, and what looks like some sort of community sports day. And they're arranged together in what could be maybe a flag or like a some sort of pattern. Tell me about this work. So this one, all the footage came from my residency at, for the Lafiaki residency um, that the BC Collective created. So that, that was a whole bunch of footage that I grabbed while I was over there, which was pretty amazing really maybe it maybe it was naive but really um idealistic um viewpoint that when i get there i'm going to feel super connected to this place to Nui and and really know myself but that didn't happen and i guess that's what the title kind of infers is actually it was really silly of me to think that it was just going to happen just like that instant i have to actually work at it and it's my responsibility to to make those connections. So these are just snippets of the spaces that we visited. Some of them are really specific to certain areas. There's a, um, whether it's the water, water-based section is Avaseli Beach where Cook landed. So there's re- some really specific kind of historical references in there. Um, there is a community day. So that is a really specific game. So you basically have a, 
you can see a, a tin can that's got a little fire in it with a couple of pushing along the ground. It's like a little racing game for kids and the adults do it too. So while I was there, I was lucky enough to be a part of or, or to, to be at the national commemorations and they had the, the national day basically where everyone, pretty much the whole island is there hanging out having an awesome time. They opened the museum up, which was really awesome. It was the official opening for that. So I was privileged and lucky in that sense to be able to experience that because I know there's a lot of Nui people there, specifically like my dad, who never went to Nui. You know, he was born in Auckland, Nui parents, but he never never went back. So um, understanding, again, that kind of, that I need to work at it because I I don't want to end up not knowing. The next time is when I need to make sure I'm really embedded in what I'm, wanting to know from family and just going out and seeking out the information, that knowledge. Last question, Darcel. I see on the wall behind you, you've got what looks like an arrangement of, I'm guessing, ribbons for winning wood chopping contests. <laughs> uh, they are, yes. They're all my my top um, prize winning ribbons are my, my championship ribbons, yeah. I'm very lucky to have <laughs> quite a few, yeah. The way they're arranged, I mean, they're all these strips of, of colour. They look quite amazing. Is that the inspiration for your skirt and the chop video work the early video work no it's not but i can kind of see how that could work too um <laughs> these are really like the these ones are actually mainly from australia um they're, they're my um, international i guess accolades achievements i did a, a performance um for the john freeze uh was a john freeze award a few years ago because i'm the same i like i was i was i'm attracted to them in terms of them being an object but i have not to brag, but I have hundreds of ribbons and they are the really A&P kind of styled New Zealand ones that are like the bright red, green, blue, yellow, all those primary colours. Um, and I kind of created a cloak. So again, I was interested in that idea of maybe not so much for that chop and saw, I guess, costume, but definitely for that other, the other work that I created was really specific. Like these are um, moments kind of put into a into a garment of certain things of certain actions and they're, yeah they're, they're quite bright they look over the top <laughs> they kind of to the point that they look bad that it's good <laughs> if that makes sense. yeah well great to talk to you Darcel. thanks so much all the best for the remainder of the lockdown i hope we'll um, see you in a gallery space at some time in the unknown future <laughs> exactly thank you 